Thanks, John, and uh, hello again. It's an interesting experience being here amongst you this morning because there is, there's no doubt uh, this morning that uh, some of your focus is, is, is watching me. <laughs> Let me warn you, some of my focus is watching you. But for me, the, as I prayed about this morning, the key thing for me is that we make sure we don't lose where our true focus should be this morning. As I said earlier when the kids were in, uh, what is exciting is you go anywhere to another church around the world, you're immediately among friends because we share that same faith in Jesus. And this morning it's important that we keep our focus on him. Um, I want to begin actually by sharing a quote with you. Someone once said, the spiritual history of a mission or a church is written in its prayer life. Let me say that again. The spiritual history of a mission or church is written in its prayer life. So I guess that leads to an obvious next question, doesn't it? What would someone read of the spiritual history of Lim Baptist Church by observing its prayer life? Just hold that question in mind, is that what I'm going to do now is, is read the second passage from Acts in your, in your new series. What would someone read of the spiritual history of Lim Baptist Church by observing its prayer life? So I'm going to be reading from Acts uh, chapter 1 and uh, verses 12 to 26, which say this. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphesus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together, constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about a 120, and said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke about long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas who served as as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, um, Akademia, that is, filled of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, that there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. 
beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. And one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men. Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. They all had so many names, didn't they? And Matthias. Then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots. And the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths contained in it. And Lord, as we look at this passage this morning, I pray that we have open hearts and minds to hear from you. Lord, I pray that the words I speak are not of me, but of you. Lord, help us in a greater understanding of you and your your will for us. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really exciting you're going through this book of Acts. Um, Last September in my church, we we began the same same series. We're going through the whole book of Acts over a 12-month period. There's much that we can learn from this great book. And we need to remember, of course, it was primarily written with the intent to, to demonstrate how the early church was, was established, and then expanded, as you would have heard last week, to the ends of the earth. And of course, one of the ways that the church became established and expanded to the ends of the earth was through the prayers of its people. And it was probably the most important way that that happened. That's why this sermon this morning we've entitled The Importance of Prayer. So it's what we see about the importance of prayer in this passage that I'm going to focus on this morning. Which does, of course, mean, sadly, I'm not going to be able to spend time talking about the bursting open of bodies and intestines spilling out. Which is probably given a good, a good thing, given that it's almost, almost lunchtime. I also need to, of course, acknowledge from the outset that I could, indeed I have, at my current church preached a whole series of sermons on the subject of prayer, given the importance of it and the many nuances of the subject. However, I have been told by John and the deacons, I've only got an hour and a half to preach to you this morning. (laughs) Oh, is it not? Oh, right. Okay, well, let's be quick then. (laughs) I should also simply make it clear that when I'm talking about prayer, the sort of prayer I'm not talking about It's prayer with an agenda. And I'm sure you all know that kind of thing. There was a a little boy once who was uh, kneeling beside his bed with with his mother and his grandmother. And he was softly saying his prayers. Dear God, please bless mummy and daddy and all the family. And please give me a good night's sleep. And then suddenly he looked up and shouted, And don't forget to give me a bicycle for my birthday. And his mum turned to him and said, there's no need to shout like that. God isn't deaf. He said, no, but grandma is. (laughs) 
That is not the kind of prayer that's going on in this passage, and it's not the kind of prayer I want to speak about this morning. So what is going on here in this passage? This passage dives right into those moments after Jesus promised uh, the Holy Spirit to his, his d- disciples, then ascended into heaven right before their very eyes. Then we're told that they, they walked for about a kilometer, a, a Sabbath day journey. It's the amount that they were allowed to walk uh, on the Sabbath without transgressing the, 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 the laws. Not that necessarily this particular day was, was a Sabbath. But they walked this kilometer from the Mount of Olives to where they'd been staying in that upstairs room. And it's what happens next in that upstairs room that I want to focus on this morning. Uh, in the NIV, which is what I read from, uh, we're told that those present, they all join together constantly in prayer. The English Standard Version translates this as, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. The New Living Translation says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Do you know, I actually quite like um, this phrase in the New American Standard Bible. It says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. The point is, folks, the point that we really need to grasp from this, whatever version we read it in, is the sense that these people were praying, but they were praying together, they were praying united, and they were praying in a constant way in their prayer. I think there's much that we can learn from that. It was a group of people who, on the face of it, had an uncertain future. Their response to that was to pray together. The knee-jerk reaction to all that they had endured was to gather together and pray, and to pray constantly or or continually, and to be united or or of one accord or, or one mind. In the light of the ascension of Jesus, prayer. In the light of tragedy of of treason, prayer. In the light of the the promise of receiving the the Holy Spirit, uh, waiting for the gift of the Father promised, as uh, John preached last week, prayer. In the light of the unknown of what was going to happen to them, prayer. And why did they do this? Because they knew the importance of prayer. They had been told of the importance of prayer by Jesus himself when he was with them. They had seen how often he would pray and the importance he placed on prayer. He taught them how to pray, as sometimes we we repeat ourselves. He had been the perfect model of prayer for them. So, oh yeah, they knew the importance of prayer. You know, we read in Luke uh, 6.12, just before Jesus uh, chose the 12 people among him who would be known as the uh, disciples. He spent an evening in prayer. And now here, just before they're sent out again, before another needs to be added to their their number in the place of Judas, he of the uh, burst body and spilt intestines, they prayed. 
They had learnt the importance of that, of praying from Jesus. And if we call ourselves Christians, if we are truly followers of Jesus, then we too will discover the importance of prayer for ourselves. We will recognize the importance of it. But more than that, we will not just talk about it, we will just do it, as I said to the kids earlier. I want to give you a quote from Martin Luther King, who said this, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is the breath of our faith. It is what gives life, real life, to our faith. That's how important it is. And why should we be surprised by that? Since what prayer is, is speaking to and listening to Almighty God, the one who created and sustains all things. But far too often we can, if we're honest, we can try and use prayer to simply tell God our plans and ask him to bless them. We can use prayer to try and move the hand of God ourselves rather than take the time to listen to what he has to say. We might even use prayer to try and get a bicycle for our birthday. Prayer is important. But what is also important is we use it in the right way. There's a song I'm sure you may sing here. Uh, We want to see Jesus lifted high. It says, Every prayer a powerful weapon. Strongholds come tumbling down and down and down and down. Prayer is powerful. We shouldn't, we mustn't treat it lightly. So let me briefly come back to those those three words that I mentioned a little earlier, which I think we can take from this passage in the way that these folk in that upstairs room, a kilometre for the Mount of Olives, were praying. Those words were together, united, constant. And I want to look at what those three words tell us about how we should be praying today. So firstly, together. As Christians, it's absolutely important that we individually pray to God. We have our own times where we take ourselves aside and come before God and pray to him and listen to him. We need to seek his will for our individual lives. We need to pray for for those we love. We need to pray for those we don't love. We need to pray as individuals to God. But I believe there's something particularly powerful about praying to God together. Coming together as his body, his church, united in his spirit, is powerful indeed. Now, God's power through his church is greater than the sum of his power in our lives individually. And throughout the book of Acts, as you will see as you you go through this great book, we'll see many times when followers of Jesus came together in prayer. And we'll see the powerful results of that. Uh, Later on, I guess in a few weeks' time, uh, in Acts 4, you'll come across the story of, of Peter and John being released from prison. And you'll hear these verses, verses 23 and 24, which say, 
On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they, that's the the, the group of people that was assembled, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. When God's people come together to pray, when they join forces together in prayer, great things can happen, as has happened in the past and will again in the future. We need more and more to be raising our voices together in prayer to God. We must never underestimate the importance of coming together to pray. And I want to encourage you all here at Lynn Baptist Church to engage with whatever prayer events, prayer evenings, prayer groups take place. I encourage you to make sure you make prayer in your house groups, your small groups, an important part of that time together. Coming together as God's people in prayer is important. So they were doing that in that upstairs room. But more than that, they were united as they did so. Praying with with one accord, praying with, with one mind, depending which version you read. Do you know, I think it's something very special about church. Where else can you find such a diverse group of people in terms of, of ages, in terms of interest, in terms of what work they do? You know, it's many, in many ways, it's hard to see how churches can ever be united. But fortunately, praise God, churches are never disunited. Actually, come to think of it, that's not quite true, is it? (laughs) But let's not go there. But you know what, folks? Seriously, church can work. And when the people of God, when his church come together in prayer, through the work of the, the Holy Spirit, they can indeed be united. They can be with one accord. They can be with one mind. And we see that in this passage today. And we see it on many other occasions through the back of the book of Acts, as you'll, you'll, you'll come across. And where it particularly works is when we don't come to prayer with an agenda, but we simply come with open hearts. We simply come with open minds to listen to God as much as to, to speak to him. To listen collectively, recognizing that God may speak to us through the prayers voiced from others. When we allow the Holy Spirit to truly take hold and to truly work in us. That's when we have the opportunity to really be united. And then, of course, we're told they prayed in a constant way. They prayed continually. The sense here is to persist in in adherence to a thing, to be intently engaged in, to attend constantly to this thing which they were doing. That's prayer. That's the kind of prayer that they were about in that room at that time. 
I don't know if you've ever come across the expression of uh, push prayer. I'm sure some of you have. Pray until something happens. That's the kind of prayer going on here. This is a, a prayer that prays until an answer is given. It takes patience. It takes endurance, waiting, time. Often many things that we can struggle with, if we're honest. This kind of prayer blows away our three, four, or maybe, if we get carried away, five-minute variety of prayer, which in itself is not wrong. But there are times that we are called to a fervent, enduring prayer that may wait on God for years. I wouldn't mind betting there are some of you in this room this morning who've been praying about a particular person, a particular situation for years. And it seems as though God is just simply not answering. Maybe there's someone in your family or friendship group who is yet to come to know Jesus and you've been praying for them and you're getting tired of it. Push it, my friends. Pray until something happens. Keep praying. Sometimes prayer is over a long, long time. We need to remain faithful to that prayer. Knowing that we, what we're doing here is praying for the will of God in the way that they were praying in the upstairs room. This, this kind of constant prayer isn't a quick prayer shot up simply to, to ask God to, to bless them, to direct them and use them, and then they got up and went about their business. It was ongoing, it was continued, it was constant. And they were prepared to do this because they knew the importance of prayer. There will be times that we will need to do the same. And of course, it can be helpful when we do that together because we are then able to encourage each other to keep at it, to keep going. As I, as I close, which I often think are probably the three most popular words that a preacher ever gets to say <laughs> in the middle of their sermon, as I close, let me say this. We need to be people who pray. Because Martin Luther King is absolutely right. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is important. And let's never forget the real power of praying together, united, with one accord, with one mind, to be praying constantly, continually, to, be, to pray until something happens. For me, the, entire, the title... I was given for this talk is is absolutely it. Prayer is important, isn't it? Oh, well, one or two of you think so. Prayer is important, isn't it? Amen. Let's do that now. Father, there's no doubt that at times we simply take the privilege of prayer for granted that we are able to speak with and hear from 
the creator of all things. Knowing that as we, as we pray to you, as many millions around the world at the same time pray to you, you are nevertheless turning your ear, bending down to hear to each and every one of us. Father, help us to, to uh, remember the importance of prayer in our lives. Lord, help us too to understand the power that comes from praying together as God's people. Coming together to speak with you, to hear from you. To hear from you, maybe from each other. And Father, we thank you for that an incredible miracle that by doing so, you can bring us together in a united place. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray with that one mind. And Lord, I pray for, for this church, Lynn Baptist Church. I pray for each individual in it. Lord, that they have that faith and determination to continue to pray constantly, even if they've been praying about a particular issue for many, many years, to pray until something happens. Lord, I pray for this church as they go through the rest of this book and as they constantly come up against this, this, uh, ex- these examples of the church coming together to pray. Lord, that each time you just remind us of the importance of prayer. And we pray it for our sakes and in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Simon.